This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Hey, everybody. Jim Cummings here with an important announcement. Are you listening? Good. I have no idea what the hell is going on with these conversations with the fake Onaka and the digs to the big No, we're doing it. It's a tribute. It's a tribute. They're going to make me sick. This is Hondo Onaga. Ignore these Nimrods. Conversations. I'm Charles, and I am still watching the both of you. Um, the con is back, baby. No, that was the other one. Okay. Yeah, that was um, one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the con is still back. I mean, we went back so to it yesterday. Mm-hmm. We did. We did a lot of things yesterday. Yes. We went to Batu. We went to Orlando. Uh huh. Well, we went to Orlando first, then to Batu, and then to Orlando again. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> And then, then we wound up going to uh, Jock Lindsay's. Yes, hangar Jock bar. Lindsay's hangar bar. That was a phenomenal yeah. experience at Disney Springs. Oh my gosh! Uh, so my wife, um, going through my bag of stuff from yesterday, and there was a receipt in there for Temple of Bacon, and she was like, "What the f is Temple of Bacon?" <laughs> and how come I I'm like, <laughs> "Delicious is what the f that is." Yes, it was phenomenal. Uh, yep. <laughs> I mean, they had uh, us at, at Old Fashioned, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that was part of it, too. <laughs> we heard bacon. <laughs> Weren't sure if bacon was part of the Old Fashioned for two. But we didn't really care. No, we didn't. So no. once we agreed to it, then you said, we should probably ask what this comes with. Because <laughs> neither right. of us knew. <laughs> I know we ordered the Old Fashioned, but what was the main part of yes. it? Yes. Aside from the Old Fashioned. Yes. I guess we should hop into it. Mm-hmm. This is... Episode 64. <laughs> Throughout the galaxy, there are many diverse worlds, from those with lush green, sandy deserts to dense forestry and exotic bioluminescence. But there is none like that of the barren, windswept, snowy wasteland. The ice planet Hoth. Nice. Yeah, so Hoth is a planet in the Anoat sector in the Outer Rim. Mm-hmm. And it's also the origin planet of my uh, Star Wars fandom. That's true, but it's not just because you grew up in Canada. No, but we'll get to that later. I mean, that has uh, quite a bit to do with it. It does. It just felt like home. It does. Mm. For way more months than I'd like to admit to. But yes. Right. I feel as though, didn't you, like, there's a couple times you missed the school speeder and you, you had to ride a tauntaun to school, right? Well, s- squirrels. Frozen squirrels, yes. <laughs> Frozen squirrels. <laughs> Those are some big squirrels. Well, you ever been to Canada, you'll know. They get pretty big. Yikes. No thanks. <laughs> but yes, it um, certainly is an inhospitable world. Uh, you know, being in the Outer Rim Territories, like it is, it provided the Rebel Alliance a remote planet that wasn't populated, first of all. It had very few <laughs> indigenous species, for sure. So it was very much just a nondescript planet and fit their needs perfectly after the Battle of Yavin. Well, I don't know about perfectly. They had to condition their vehicles to deal with the tremendously cold temperatures. Yes. It would um, 
it would reach like negative 60 Celsius overnight. Yeah. And that's almost um, a spring summer day in Canada. Almost. Right. Some would right. say summer day, but yeah. Yeah. Well, let's not get carried away. <laughs> so, um, so during the Galactic Civil War, Hoth was experiencing an ice age. It made it that much colder. It would be interesting to know if Hoth was was not during its ice age phase <laughs> when they targeted it as a potential base for uh, the rebels. You know, regardless <laughs> of the fact of what happened to Yavin. <laughs> yeah, like how crazy would that be when they're like, "Oh man, this place is great." <laughs> It's, it's, all got, it's got caves and stuff. Uh, it's got tunnel <laughs> systems. It's got everything we need, you guys. And everybody comes, and they, you know they they brought like their like Bermuda shorts and everything, and they're like, "What is this?" I swear, Dodonna, the snow was not here. I swear. If I find that Saponza, I am gonna wring his neck. Saponza, of course, being the leader of one of the rebel cells on Tatooine. He was on combat missions in service to the rebellion uh, against the Imperials. And then he also, you know, dealt with some gangsters on Tatooine and some Tusken Raiders on Tatooine. Wow, that's cool. uh, Yeah, so he kind of uh, was on one of these missions and he set up a base on Hoth. And of course it was, you know, sanctioned by the the rebels. so, So they knew that he had set up there. It was a small group of them. You know, presumably pre-Ice Age, but who knows? So then, once they had, uh, you know, completed their mission, they they left the bones of their base behind. So then, you know, obviously, when when the rebellion was seeking refuge after the Battle of Yavin, when they were discovered and um, had to flee, that was on the list right. of potential bases. Quick, let's get over there because we're already in the outer rim anyway. Yeah. So basically, they were like an advanced scout cell that not only helped set up the sort of schematics or the the basics of a base, but also helped them have at least a footprint on Hoth for when they arrived. Right, at least a foundation for the base. Now, of right. course, when the when the rebels arrived, it took them a long time expanding upon the the base because it was essentially. For the most part, all of the rebels were right, there. That, that were left, yeah, right. Exactly. Right, so it was no, by no means big enough for all of the, the rebels at the time when Saponza's gang was there. Right. Okay, question for you. Okay, how, answer how, for you. How many years was it between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back? 3ABY is when Echo Base was established. Ah, okay. You know, they were scouting. They were always, always somewhat on the run. It becomes like, okay, well, we've got our base now, but, you know, let's have a couple other options in case things go sideways here. We, one, have a rendezvous point, mm-hmm. and two, a place to keep keep moving, keep going yeah. forward. And their, their modest, you know, armada. You know, after, of course, uh, the Battle uh, of Yavin, they were left with, as we know, like our Wedge Antilles episode. A lot of their ships were gone. That was it. It was Luke and Wedge and, of course, Han. So not that they, they spent every ship that they had on Yavin, but it was certainly depleted. They needed to have a, a rendezvous point where they could have all of these ships, all the personnel housed. And that obviously was Hoth. And so in the two years that it took them to build out that base... So, yeah, it did take them uh, quite a bit of time to fortify it. And, you know, obviously all the uh, 
the electric lines and oxygen lines and all that stuff that was like nailed to the walls in the ice caves. Yeah. You know, yeah. they had to set all that stuff up. There were large naturally formed caverns that were underground already that had sort of access points into the wild. But then they connected those with corridors like we saw where they had the uh, the first kiss between Han and Leia. You could use a good, good kiss. kiss. And you, like you just said, like those power cords and, and conduits and stuff that were just literally stapled to the wall and carved out by the engineers. The interesting thing, too, about that is that while there was little indigenous species on Hoth itself, most of them being wampas or tauntauns, it wasn't uncommon for wampas to sort of meander into these bays and these yeah. uh, these caverns at night to seek shelter from the uh, the frigid cold. So you imagine now, obviously, like we saw in the movie at Empire Strikes Back, we see the the blast doors being closed at night. Can you imagine being like a like just a sort of a sentry at yeah. uh, cavern just number like four, guarding one of the entryways, <laughs> and you're like, "What the heck is that?" And he's like, "God, yeah, no." No thanks. I saw a um, someone did some artwork of like of after the uh, Empire stormed the base, like okay. a wampa came in. Oh really? <laughs> He's, like throwing snowtroopers around. <laughs> it was pretty cool. But what's another cool feature too about Hoth, and this had to have played into the rebels' mindset, was that it's that if you wear your snowshoes, you can go like miles and miles. Oh yeah. Um, oh sure, yeah. Oh sure. Yeah, keep using those big words. Yeah, and you know, you you tie your two four of Molson to your to your waist, so you're not carrying the beer, you're dragging it, and there's actually less friction on it because you got, of course, the the Molsons are sitting in one of those little saucer pans. Yeah, you know? sure. But but you know, if you uh, if you uh, put a couple in your toque, then uh, you know, hands free. Hey, take off, eh? <laughs> but what was an interesting feature, well, feature, a uh, uh, sort of orbital feature of Hoth was the asteroid belt surrounding it. And, yeah. you know, and I, when I read this, of course it's there, but the association between Han and Leia and 3PO and, and Chewbacca as they escape the Imperial uh, barricade off, you know, around Hoth and they hit the asteroid belt. I never made the connection that that was the planet of Hoth, its own asteroid belt that was, you know, um, right. orbiting that planet. And that's where, of course, then because so many meteorites would fall on the surface, that's why Luke went to go investigate. So it ties it together, which is so cool. And that's, as we know, we almost say it every, every day that we talk is how giving this rich universe is, is that those little details 40 plus years on, it's like, oh my gosh, that's why, that's why they're out there monitoring. That's why Luke being a, you know, a naive little farm boy that never saw meteorites in, uh, in Tatooine was like, Ooh, meteorites. <laughs> and Han was like, listen, kid, you do what you want. I'm going back to base. There's um, that princess over there. <laughs> <laughs> she could use a good kiss. So, um, so that's why it's almost like Han was like almost unfazed and he was like, all right, commander, see you later. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but Luke was all wide eyed and like, oh yeah, a meteorite came down. I'm going to check that out. And I hope I don't come across any dangerous snow beasts. <laughs> nah, that'll never happen. Nope. <laughs> I didn't have any off screen car accident. I need to explain a uh, big side oh, swipe. Oh <laughs> man. 
I see. I thought we agreed we weren't going to talk about that. Really? Instead, let's talk about my um, Star Wars Celebration fortieth um, anniversary Empire Cup. I've got Aloha, uh, Luke on a Wampa right there. Yeah, I don't want to talk you know, about that. On a Han- on Tauntaun. I don't want to hear yeah. that. No, I don't that's pre Wampa that. attack though. Look at his face; it's intact. <laughs> anyway, um, so not only was there, you know. Meteorites that came down and all, but then there was also Imperial probe droids that mm, came down. Correct, and very much like the meteor strikes, just sort of nondescript explosions. And the sensors that Luke and Han are putting up probably were enhancements for that grid of protection to see if they were some sort of metallic or non-organic material that was coming out of these explosions, really trying to protect themselves and. Do you know, and I'm sure you do, but do you know how long it was between the time that this base went fully operational until the Imperials discovered them on Hoth? It was three and a half hours. <laughs> Imagine! They're like, all right, guys, and they, get, they have the ribbon cutting ceremony, and like Luke takes out his lightsaber and holds up the ribbon, he's like, zoom, and we're open for business. Uh, uh-oh. Three and a half uh, hours? What's up? They're like, uh, the Imperials found us. We probably shouldn't have set off those fireworks for the grand opening. All right. Who sent the invitation to Darth Vader? <laughs> what? I wanted my dad to come. Oh, man. What am I going to wear? Obviously, his snowshoes. hey So, um, yeah, I mean, he's like, and here I thought I was going to fin snow away. Oh, man. He took a wrong turn. <laughs> Oh, Slarty Bartfast led him astray. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, of course, one month after they were considered yeah. fully operational um, that yes. they were discovered. So imagine that. I mean, like you said before, rebels were always in the nature of being on the run. There's always that potential that they're going to be discovered, uh, have a battle that they, they can't sustain, is that they're mobile, they're portable. And yeah, they can have a base and it seems very well thought out and lots of resources and hours and months and years worth of work put into it. But give that command, we're out of there. There's no choice because of that very nature that they're being hunted 24-7. And it seems almost counterintuitive to set up, like, why would you waste so much time setting up a base? Well, I mean, I think it's just the fact that they can't afford not to. They need display screens. They need, like, a central command. Uh-huh. They need one. Yeah. And it just seems somewhat disheartening that uh, <laughs> just just getting comfortable, you know, putting up pictures in your uh, private quarters and, oh, here we go. <laughs> you finally got your, you know, hollow screens working with the cable line and like, nope, no more. But, you know, when you're dealing with trying to make it, you know, have a uh, environment that is conducive to humanoids mm-hmm. and has enough room for their needs and ships and artilleries and all that kind of stuff, you, it's going to take so much longer to, to set it up. For sure. And it was very sort of duct tape uh, production where things <laughs> worked and didn't work. And, you know, <laughs> the Tauntaun lice. I mean, imagine <laughs> you never would have thought that, you know, microscopic oh, no organisms. Thanks. I mean, it sort of makes sense, but um, you're not only fighting and trying to protect yourself against the Empire, you've got the natural environment that's fighting against you as well yeah it's uh it's a loose lose which is probably <laughs> why they lost 
Um, and it's cold. Yeah, exactly. Really, you've got the two main species that you see are the wampas and the tauntauns. Mm -hmm. And the wampas are, um, you know, thick fur. They got a bunch of subcutaneous fat and all to um, be able to stay out in the elements a little bit longer and with less detrimental effects than the tauntauns. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, think about the food chain. And so the wampa eats the tauntaun. What does the tauntaun eat? Ooh. Not the yellow snow. Not the yellow snow. <laughs> ah, Nepal. I apologize to both of you for... No, for such a childish. Joke. Absolutely yes. not. That's a Monsters Inc. reference, and it's rocks. So it's in. It's at the House of Mouse. We're good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But yes, the Tauntauns fed on lichen. You know, you always gotta eat something you like it. Exactly. Um, but yeah. So speaking of trying to eat things. Yes. Obviously, Luke was one of those things that uh, Wampo was trying to eat. So uh, that's really the um, first. That we see him really using the force. You know what I mean? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh-huh, because he's got the lightsaber yeah. in the snow. Which, I mean, I have that lightsaber, and there is a clip on the backside of it. Uh -huh. So, I don't know how that fell off of his clip. Like, yeah. he should be ashamed of himself. He did get sideswiped, though. I mean. That's true. That's true. So, yeah. So, he he uses the force to, to grab his lightsaber, and then slice away the ice by his feet and then of course get down and uh you know mark hamill has said several times about how that scene was like this is a wild animal you know it's, it's coming after him and he was like well i don't really want to hurt it because it's not you know being malicious mm. it's just looking for a meal right and that luke skywalker is a snack indeed <laughs> so um so he says, well, can I just like scare it, like wave it at him? And they're like, yeah, that's fine. And he's like, perfect. That way, you know, there's no animal cruelty and everything else. And then he's in theaters sitting next to Harrison, of course, which we'll get to later. And he sees the scene where you see it. does. He doesn't strike the wampa when you see Luke with the with yeah. the saber. OK, but then you see that severed arm. <laughs> and he's like, Wait a minute. You guys. What? Yeah, because they totally were like, yeah, okay, Mark, just wave it at him then. And then and they then inserted they the... And put it in. Wow. <laughs> I did not know that. That's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> oh and then, of course, the way that they, they shoot all those, the scenes where he's um, where he's force grabbing is just to do it in rewind. Uh, I mean, oh, that's... Sorry okay. to spoil the magic for anyone. But, but spoiler, but, you know, right. it's been out for a but, few years. Yeah, yeah, it's a couple of years old. <laughs> Before we get to the next part where maybe Han comes in and why do Tauntaun smell so bad on the outside? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Has the Empire seized your moisture farm? Has the Empire reprogrammed your droids without your knowledge? Has the Empire taken your speeder? Well, you're in luck. I'm Mondo Onaka of Onaka and Melch, attorneys at law. We'll get what you deserve from the Empire. And you'll get something too. And we are back. 
And I'm still here. Surprisingly. Um, well, I'm not surprised. Well, after our last commercial break, we... I thought uh, one of us might be detained. Yeah, one of us. <laughs> the, Probably the one that looked like Honda. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that we're uh, starting to attract a little bit somewhat, you know, maybe perhaps the uh, wrong kind of attention for these uh, these spots that we have. I disagree. Okay. I think... I think that when we preface the fact we uh, are lovable idiots and... Um, no, you're half right. <laughs> we're not lovable. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> oh, man. We are Nimrods. Ex- um, that being said... Yes. We may be in need of some legal assistance uh, in the future. For the real world. <laughs> and, and we know where to turn. Yes, yeah, because certainly not Felimore, Felimore, and Felimore, and Felimore, whatever, that Camry. No. no. Yeah. That's, that that's sure to land us in hot water. Yes. Oh, oh. man. Luke. What a segue. <laughs> Brilliant. So Luke does make it out of the encounter, and he's sort of aimlessly walking uh, through on this barren. Yeah, because he was knocked out when he got dragged there, so he has no idea where he is. Yeah, exactly. And... Uh, He's not doing too good. And no, he starts hallucinating and stuff. He yeah. starts seeing dead people and all. Right, right. So he sees Ben, and Ben tells him to go to the Dagobah system. Yeah. And he collapses, and sort of the wind is whipping around him and snow. We'll get to that later, actually. That little scene right there. Put a pin on that one. But. Oh, okay. Yeah. As I mean, so much for chronology. Yeah, but, you know, a little intrigue. Uh but as Obi-Wan disappears, then there's Han on his Tauntaun. Han, Han, Han on Tauntaun. Han on Tauntaun. Tauntaun Solo. Captain and Falcon, yes. How iconic is that whole, and I thought they smelled bad on the outside. Well, first you have to, you have to recognize the fact that the, the other rebel soldiers were like, Are, you know, you're taking your Tauntaun out, are you crazy? And he's like, yeah, so what of it? And they're like, uh, well, it's going to die because it's still too cold. And he's like, okay, well, if I don't go, then Luke's going to die. So, um, yeah, I'm going to take the Tauntaun out. And mm. then if it does die, at least I can use its meat. Fine, whatever. Mm. So, um, and, oh, by the way, I'll see you in hell. <laughs> so, um, figures the only chance Luke has is if he goes out there. Right. So, uh, indeed, his Tauntaun... I, I don't know if he made it past the first marker, but um, he made it to where he needed to make it. So, you know, mission accomplished. That's a good question, though. Does he make it past the first marker? Because I mean, probably, because if... he's never one to, to listen to the odds. Right. Exactly. And even though that part of that two-year process that they spent building out the uh, base on Hoth, part of that was domesticating these Tauntauns to use them essentially yeah. as horses. Yes. Uh, let alone the fact that they're actually lizards, but or of the reptilian nature. But um, the with fur. Yes. The Star Wars does that a lot. It does. Yeah. Yeah. Monkey lizards also have fur. Right. How, how coincidental that even they, as tauntauns, who are indigenous to this planet, right, aren't dumb enough to be out in the minus sixty degree weather. They seek <laughs> shelter at night, just like the wampas. So he's going out there after the blast doors have closed right. to go and find Luke. And, of course, his dedication as a friend. So it's, you know, he's pretty much on his own with his Tauntaun. Right. So 
he was taking a huge risk to go out and find Luke. Right. Well, and but that's the way he saw it. They were saying, "Oh, you know, if you if you're gone too, we'll lose another commander." Mm-hmm. And for what? And he's like, "Cause if I don't try it, he's definitely gonna die. So right. I gotta try it." So right. So he shows up through the apparition of Obi Wan. In the Luke. nick of time. Yes. Sees Luke and he picks up his lightsaber and he, he ignites it. And he's looking at it like, what the heck is this thing? It's pretty, pretty comical. That's sort of like the way he sort of Shit. fumbles around with it. It's like, oh, this is how this thing works. <laughs> okay. Slices open Tauntaun to use as yeah. uh, it's a way to keep him warm and utters the famous line. Now, this is where this comes in. Do you know why? Tauntauns oh, just smell so bad on the outside. We're going to have a biology lesson. Okay. <laughs> Why don't you tell us all? <laughs> well, I'll have you know that the Tauntauns oh, naturally Lord. secrete oils into their thin layer of fur to help protect them against the cold. Right. Thus... They're why hair- they smell bad exactly. on the That's why they smell bad on the outside. But joke's on him because they also smell bad on the, <laughs> on the inside. <laughs> so. But that was just a cool little tidbit. So, yeah, that was a long way of saying yeah, they smell bad both ways. That's true. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. that's good. Um, now we're going to go back out of uh, biology into film class and talk <laughs> about Star Wars. Oh. Um <laughs> So Han uh, builds the shelter out in the, in the elements. And um, then, of course, I imagine either builds it around Luke and Tauntaun or, you know, builds it and then drags him inside. Um, mm. But then that, that protects the both of them from the elements until morning when their buddies can come and find them. Mm-hmm. So they, um, they get found by the uh, rebel search team. Yeah. And uh, brought back to base to, uh, they live to fight another day. Mm-hmm. Good old Bacta. That's, it brings him back to health for sure. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 yes, yes. yes. Um, so. Um, you certainly get a good vision too of the, the lay of the planet at that point. Because you see like the ice shelf that they're close to that Han was like standing on as he's trying to broadcast the signal for the rescue and that's pretty much the definition of what the planet is hilly yeah and what's kind of cool about the new um disney plus short i forget what it's called the one with the planet biomes that's the one um and the hoth one it really shows more of the the landscape yes than you ever see in the films which is cool because there's certainly mountain ridges and and some valleys and, and, you know, the caves and stuff that you'd seen in the films. Yes. That biome series is, is phenomenal. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I wish that there was just more. Like, yeah. you know the Yule Log at Christmas? So you just It's like <laughs> sitting there cracking on the fire. Um, I feel like, well, they do have a, a Vader one from Return of the Jedi. Like a Vader Yule Log. Really? Where it's the funeral pyre scene <gasps> and they just run it on a loop. Oh <laughs> Yule Vader. It's true. They have, it's like it's like two hours. Wow. And you just sit there with burning Vader. Um, he doesn't scream out, I hate you! Uh, he's already one with the Force. Um, but, yeah, uh, that that would be cool to just have it like longer than that. Mm. The Empire used 
what they use, the droids and the, the mechanics to brave the elements much better than the, um, than the rebels did. I think the fact that you have something called snow troopers, mm. uh, indicates that you've got the ability to brave the elements in a harsh environment like that. Uh, that's, so I'm sure they didn't point. have to yeah. take all their time to, um, to prepare their, their speeders and walkers for the climate there. That's a great point because if you're, I know like the, (laughs) (laughs) that's why I said it. Um, But if you're going to be the dominant power in the galaxy, you're going to have multiple environments and you have to be able to adapt to those environments and cold being one of them. And if you got a snow trooper, which is a very distinct and very cool look that only makes sense is that you need to be able to adapt to these with the littlest amount of friction, have the ability to uh, overpower and decimate any indigenous or in you know, rebels case, uh, hiding out on a planet, trying to wow. evade them. They need to be able to get in there, squash them quickly and take care of business. Yeah. That's their whole shtick is like, you know, we're the empire. If you, you know, aren't going to join us, we'll destroy you. Right. So they would look quite foolish if they were like, join us or die. And people were like, no. And then they blow up their super space station with like blaster shots and torpedoes from an Mm X-Wing. So, you know, that sort of thing where you've got this almost iron fist that you can just pound the hell out of somebody that's you know standing up in opposition uh it threatens everyone else to fall in line right you better have an exit plan on hoth once they do discover the base it's very quickly that they're overrun and they issue the evacuation order and that evacuation order wouldn't have gone as well as it did without that v-150 planet defender the ion cannon that was Ah, yes. You know, emplaced with part of the defense mechanism of Hoth. And they had the uh, the shield, of course, as we saw. You know, that was essentially what the, the droid found was those shields, the shield generators. Yes. And that's what Invader says. That's them. That's the, that's the rebels. So that shield generator, along with that V-150 ion cannon, allowed the rebels to exist. Because if it wasn't for them, they would be done. Absolutely oh, yeah. done. Oh, yeah. That's the thing is, you know, you even if you know your base is toast, you you want to you want to have an exit plan. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, the only way that you're going to be able to ensure that you get your people out is you've got, you know, like EMP disruptors and, yep. and ion pulses that mm-hmm. that can disable the armada that the Empire sends after you in order to make it out to out of the atmosphere and then out to hyperspace. Yeah. You know? And it's an extremely important distinction. Like you just said, the EMP, you know, electromagnetic pulse, it doesn't destroy the ship. It renders it somewhat useless for a split second or a few seconds. You're not looking to break through their shields. You're just looking to disable the damn thing to allow your transport ships to hit hyperspace and get the heck out of there. As much time as they put into planning uh, a base of operations where they can actually continue their fight for, they also have the exit plan very well thought out. Because if they can't, the, the Rebel Alliance is not going to... Uh, and they're not, toast. Yeah, they're not, they're not going to exist. Yeah. So, so before yeah. we get to the next phase, which is 
filming locations and a few other little special tidbits. We're going to take uh-huh. a quick break and we'll be right back. Oh, another break. <laughs> Due to a recent imperial entanglement, we have an immediate need to liquidate our extensive inventory. This passes the savings on to you. If you need state-of-the-art refrigerant systems for your cantina, or a refill of glacier-filtered ice for your home cooler unit, we have your needs covered. Our hollow chan is down, but your savings are up. We can even offer expedited shipping to Mustafar and Tatooine. When you're hot, think hot. Refrigerant Solutions. Orders place within the next cycle will receive 20% more ice. It's our commitment to you. And we're back. Thank you for sticking with us for that second uh, break. Yeah, so that's essentially Hoth. And for as short of a time that it appears on screen in probably one of the most loved and accepted best sequels of all time, uh, it really did set a precedence for an opening excitement scene that really sets up the middle chapter of any trilogy. And we're used to seeing at this point in the franchise, we're used to seeing sandy deserts and like space stations and Yavin. Yeah. So you're like, okay, well, this is, I mean, this is cool that, you know, there's, on this desert planet and this other thing. But when Empire opens up and it's a snow planet, it's just, it's, it's a really cool deviation that, that starts the world building of Star Wars. Completely. And, you know, speaking to filming locations and how that snowy planet really did set expectations off from a com- complete 180 from the first movie, you know, this mm-hmm. film was made. Uh, in my driveway. I don't know if you knew that. You know, I, I read something about that. Yeah. You know, during the winter, they'd clear out the snow with a tractor from uh, Mr. Petri down the street. He'd clear uh-huh. the driveway. And that uh, eastern snowbank was Hoth. And, uh, okay. you know, thankfully, the uh, squirrels that were the uh, Tauntauns were already frozen. They're already frozen. So uh, <laughs> they made very complicit actors. We lost a few <laughs> rebel troopers. <laughs> we found them in the spring thaw. But uh, during production, there were several troopers that were lost. You know, being just like Mark, being uh, sort of the animal rights advocate, um, none of the uh, faux fur hats that stood as uh, wampas were ever harmed during production. So it was, uh, yeah, it was. Um, You know, and clearly this is in jest, this this whole little bit here. However, wait, what, what? However, (laughs) I can guarantee. That you had adats and snow troopers out in your yard. One, I guarantee it. 100%. And I lost to at least two snow, uh, at least two troopers, rebel uh, troopers on, and several snow troopers until the spring thaw. I can guarantee you. <laughs> now, the at at, of course, came in at night, so he was safe inside. Um, yeah, and... you're not going to risk him no. uh, freezing before he no. is the first marker. But of course, that was not the real actual filming location. They filmed it up in Norway. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, um, when they were first exploring the idea for the terrain of an ice planet, they obviously used the concept art. From our buddy, Ralph McQuarrie. Well, he's not really our buddy. I'll give you that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah, they, they had all sorts of concept art for 
creatures mm-hmm. and new equipment and and vehicles to um, to accommodate their needs on on an ice planet. And that place was obviously you know a cold climate in Norway, and we've seen those coats that they were using in production. You can actually buy them. How valuable yeah. they are, but they they were out there in actual frigid conditions like we see the actors were out there and doing the best they could to withstand uh, the environment Kirshner, you know he took advantage of every opportunity when he was there to help the actors feel more in situation within the actual world and yes as we alluded to back uh, when luke comes out of the wampa cave and he's trying to wrap his scarf or as we say in, back in canada the foulard uh, around his face uh, <laughs> to protect himself from the uh, from the cold, that particular scene is filmed literally in the backyard of the hotel that they were in. They woke up that morning and it was this this blizzard, and production was somewhat halted. <laughs> and he sees this. Um, uh, Kirshner sees this Kirshner. and says, "This is perfect. I mean, it's blowing wow. snow. You can't reproduce this." So yeah. he sends Mark Hamill out there. In his garb. <laughs> yeah, 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 a couple more yards. A <laughs> couple more yards, Mark. Yeah, over the bank. And the filming crew is in the door access of the hotel, filming out into the backyard of this hotel and gets that <laughs> iconic shot. And, of course, with the magic of movie making, it looks like he's in this barren snowstorm. And it's within 10 feet of a hotel. But that blizzard, you could tell at that point, it was 100% legitimate. I I hadn't known that. Oh yes, um, woohoo! <laughs> yeah, that's one Yomi Junior. Uh, yeah, so, that's crazy. Yeah, I I mean you know obviously when you're talking about environments and and getting the shot just right and all, and it's like when you're dealing, especially with you know you can you can replicate rain. Yeah. And and snow to a point, but blizzard conditions a little tough. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, use the blizzard conditions. I mean, how much trouble did they have on Octo yes. trying to film those scenes because of the, the rain? It yep. rains there like I something like 310 days a year or something. <laughs> and so it's like, okay, we're trying to do these scenes that don't have rain. <laughs> and we've just got all this rain. That scene coming out of the Wampa Cave is a perfect example of taking advantage of potentially a down production day to get really a, a cool scene that again, you know, is it pivotal? Not really, but it certainly grounds the character in reality. And it's like, wow, how'd they do that? Well, they did it because Mark Hamill was out in a blizzard <laughs> filming a 10 second scene, probably cursing in his head while the crew was filming from a doorway. <laughs> it's like, keep going, keep going. <laughs> Uh, run it back, Mark. We're going to need another take. <laughs> this time, take your right hand and then bring the scarf around. <laughs> He's like, what the force? Um, you know, I can almost guarantee that he had a blast because he seems to have loved every every bit of the original trilogy and just, you know, swinging on taverns in the Death Star to, you know, hanging out with uh, Ewoks and, and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. He loved it. So one more thing um, that's kind of continued over into the sequel trilogy when you've got on Jakku when they 
you know, they, they blast the TIE fighters and then they go careening off and crashing. And then all the scavengers come up and they take the pieces off. Right. Or like in Star Tours when you go in in Jakku and then they take the Star Tours logo yes. off the front. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so on Hoth, um, some scavengers um, inhabited the planet uh, after the battle to scavenge the walker wreckage and uh, starships and fighters and such. That's cool. So they took advantage of not only the Imperial technology that was blown, but also the rebel mm-hmm. technology because they had to abandon it. That's cool. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. So that's pretty neat. That is yeah. cool. I mean, why not? No, that makes you know? complete sense. Yeah. I'm sure you hear on the, you know, the hollow feed about uh, this skirmish in, you know, a certain place. And yeah. Opportunists are like, hey, they got stuff, hyperdrives and stuff. Yeah. Take it, you know? Hmm. Yeah. Bet you young Honda was there. Well, not young. Well, <laughs> might appear young, but he's, it's not a years, baby. It's the mileage. Oh man! Oh, yep, man, that was good. <laughs> that was a perfect. <laughs> that was a perfect feather in the cap. Well, that's Hoth, I guess. Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah. Um. So, in the interest of uh, closing this thing out, I guess go to the Dagobah system. Oh. Okay. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, I feel like that's that's a natural progression. Yeah. Well, before we get to Dagobah, maybe we should like throw out our socials and stuff. But yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, they're in some swampland, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's Twitter. <laughs> I'll accept that. <laughs> oh, yikes. Well, there's that. <laughs> oh, man. All right. So he's on Twitter. He does, you know, um, all sorts of uh, polls and things, I guess. <laughs> so we're at our website, obviously. Uh, conversations.com and we've got the facebook.com uh, slash conversations our instagram is also conversations our twitter is at suations and our legal defense is suations at hondoanaka.org donations accepted <laughs> we're going to need them ah <laughs> <laughs> And we are part of the Red 5 Network. Uh, That's true. A growing network of just really cool. Yeah, it's like a bunch of them. Yeah. I mean, it's grown uh, what, you know, Roe and Brad and now Chantal have done to grow this network to encompass so many different aspects and visions of fandom is is nothing short of phenomenal. And we're humbled to be there. So take a look at the, the shows. The network itself is very engaging and if you're into Marvel or Star Wars or sports to a certain degree to or Henry any, Cavill or Henry Cavill. Yeah. <laughs> Michelle and Natalie and all the way to uh, just general science fiction. We, you know, there's a show that has you covered in there. So Red Five Network, definitely check them out. All right. So, so I guess, are we done now? Yeah. Good to can go. I close this out? You can close this out. All right. Well, um, I guess in, instead of, well, you'll, you'll hear it. <laughs> I will. You must go to the Dagobah system and remember the force will be with you always.
Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network.